Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up, DTC pod? Today, we're joined by Steven Eisen, who's the founder and CEO of Loci and Elements, um, which are some pretty amazing brands in the DTC CPG space. So Steven, without any further ado, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the brands that you've built? Awesome. Um, thanks so much for having me on the show. So um, yeah, Loci, if you're not familiar with it, is a bracelet company. I came up with the idea for Loci about 13 years ago now. I was a freshman in college on vacation with my family and friends thinking about how lucky I was to be there. But that week my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he was someone I was very close to growing up. And it really just brought me to a low point in my life and got me thinking about how everyone goes through highs and lows. It doesn't matter your age, your demographic, your income level, we all have them. Um, and so being very entrepreneurial, I was like, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth, uh, Mount Everest and the Dead Sea? And how could I take elements from those two places, uh, water from Mount Everest and mud from the Dead Sea and incorporate them in a bracelet that people could wear every day as a reminder to find balance in life, staying humble when they're on top of the world and um, humble, humble when they're on top of the world, hopeful when they've hit a low. Um, and from the very beginning, giving back has always been a huge part of who we are as a brand, we believe giving back is an important part of finding balance in life. And so we donate 10% of profits to charity and have donated uh, about nine and a half million dollars now to different nonprofit organizations. Wow. Um, no, that's incredible. And I think one of the thing that really resonates is like, it seems like you had a real purpose to building the brand from the get go. It wasn't just uh, like, oh, let me, you know, have this quick ploy for money. It was like, okay, I think there's an opportunity and then tying in a really meaningful and powerful concept with, um, you know, with, with a really cool concept and to, to build that brand. So um, why don't you take us back to that time, right? Like you said, you've done, been doing this for over a decade now. Um, what was the landscape like then for you launching your e-commerce business? What were the first moves? What was the first thing you did to get, you know, like the, uh, get a product spec'd out and what was the MVP of that product? And, and how do you kind of launch it? Yeah, you know, the, the, the industry has changed a lot over the last decade. Uh, now I think it's easier than ever for entrepreneurs to learn and have tools for D2C um, to get up and running really quickly. But um, back then it wasn't really a, a, a cool or hot thing to do to be an entrepreneur. Um, but my grandfather was an entrepreneur and my father was. And when I told my dad the idea for Loci, he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. That's the hard part. So, I mean, when I started, I literally, to make the product, I went on like globalsource.com and just started to find the supplier that could make the product. 
Uh, when I was 19, I flew to Shenzhen uh, in China by myself, uh, went through the factories and just, you know, figured it out. Um, and then there's really no secret sauce. I mean, I had a display with the product and for a year, a year and a half, I walked around any location that I went to with my display and walked into yoga stores, surf shops, women's boutique stores, um, and said, hey, is the manager or owner of the store here? Can I talk to them? Can I tell them about Lokai? I got turned down 99% of the time, but uh, every time I got opened a new door, I, it was a huge win and it drove me to keep going. And um, yeah, I realized really quickly that people loved hearing the Lokai story. And so it got me thinking how I could reach millions of people. And so we built a, a site in the early days and um, I started to reach out to celebrities, athletes, influencers that had these massive followings online. Um, and I was able to see what causes they cared about. And since Loki had different bracelets for different causes, um, I was able to say, Hey, I know, I know your mother, uh, had breast cancer. Uh, I would love to send you some breast cancer Lokis. And, uh, people were incredibly receptive to the product and the story and the give back and. Um, started to share their own stories of highs and lows. Um, and through people's stories, the brand really spread. Got it. And then when you're actually thinking about, I, I think those lessons are really important in terms of like when when you're starting a business, uh, you have to be scrappy and you're going you're gonna to encounter a bunch of no's. And like in your case, you were literally doing a bunch of cold sort of initiatives in terms of like going into retailers and, and being like trying to sell and put your product out there as well as like the cold outreach side when it comes to like hitting up, um, you know, different celebrities, influencers, and people who might be able to amplify your message. Right. Um, but so the next question would be, um, when it actually came to starting to like scale things up, right? Because as you're getting people to say yes to you, whether it's retailers or, um, different celebrities and you're building out all these different, um, you know, cause bracelets that you're able to do. What did the scaling of the business start to look like in the earliest days, right? Like what, you know, how far in are we a year in, are we two years in and what, what, what started to happen around that time? Yeah. You know, we're a decade old and I feel like we're just getting started and we're just catching our groove. Um, as a company, the the biggest unlock that I've learned um, has really been the value and importance of hiring a great team. Um, as a founder, I think you you believe that you can do everything better than everyone else, um, and it's your baby, right? You're so emotionally connected to it, from customer service to sales to marketing. Like you do it all when you're just starting out. Um, and as you hire people, one of the biggest things that I've learned is to hire great people that you trust to do their job uh, and know that they'll do that job better than you. And if you let people run with their skills and their capabilities, um, they will be the ones that really help grow and scale your business. And so um, being a great CEO, I think, is really trusting your team and letting them do what they do best. Who were some of the most important first hires that you made in terms of like the, the teammates that, that really helped drive the business forward? Yeah. So for me, my mindset in building businesses is always about the bottom line. Um, I'm a conservative um, operator of businesses and believe that 
you should be making profit uh, when you're building businesses. And so Lokai has been profitable every year it's ever existed. So uh, my head of finance, I would say, is the first because um, I tend to be really about the product and the brand um, and the content. And that is what made the company, I think, go be so successful through the virality and the um, the word of mouth part of the company. But you also have to ha- have a deep understanding of your margin and um, what you're selling the product for and all the fees that are associated and how much you're allocating towards your uh, overhead and your team and your and your marketing expenses. So to make sure that the business like fundamentally ran profitably, um, I, I really put a focus on finance. Got it. And so what did those conversations look like when, like in terms of collaborations, right? So was it you being like product driven and maybe sales driven where you're focusing on like, oh my God, we have this opportunity and why don't we tap into this cause? Why don't we make a bracelet for this? And then your finance guys like basically being able to help you kind of unpack the different cogs and the different supply chain costs and, and balance inventory and balance operations or, you know, what, what did that sort of look like as you, as you guys collaborated? Yeah, that's, um, I think what you just said is true. Right. Um, and, and it's also just not, I would say the other piece is, I mean, I was an entrepreneur straight out of college. Um, and I did entrepreneurship and business in, in school and, um, I didn't have a finance background. Right. So, that was also, I would say, a weakness for me um, as an entrepreneur. And so I think something that's important is recognizing your areas of strength and your areas of weakness and hiring for people that fill those gaps. Um, and fast forwarding now to, to now, uh, start launching my second company, Elements of Balance, which is a beverage and supplement brand helping people find balance uh, in life. Um, I started the company by building an executive team of veterans in the beverage industry because uh, I knew that that was a space I had no experience in and uh, really needed their experience and support. So that's another thing that um, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you about is the overlap, the curiosity. Uh, you know, you've built this one big brand in terms of loci and now you're spinning similar like concepts and ethos into a new company which has is in a totally different category like you're saying it's in a space that you didn't know but you're able to bring on different operators who really know the space so what got you excited about um the cpg and the beverage space in general what was what got you excited about building elements and then how did you how did you get moving on on spinning up the brand yeah so the passion for me was always in how do I create another product that helps people find balance in their life, right? That is what Lokai is about. I think that that is my personal mission uh, in life is to help people find balance. And I learned about adaptogens and how in clinical doses, they have functions that you can really feel and uh, literally balance your cortisol levels, which are your stress hormones. And so um, we incubated the company through Lokai and, created four different formulas and energy focus, calm and sleep, kind of all the mean states that you need throughout your day. And um, we quickly decided that elements was such a different just category than loci that it should really be two separate entities. And so 
Um, they are separate companies, but um, still leverage and use a lot of resources on the loci side to help build elements. But uh, to your point earlier, it's always been about the mission uh, and the vision of what we were trying to do. And it happened to be drinks and supplements. Yeah, and, th and that's another interesting point that you bring up in terms of saying like the ethos is the same. We're able to incubate it out of loci, but ultimately because things are so different, it should be its own company and run that way. So what were what were what were the kind of decision points that went into saying this needs to be its own company? Was it just because the space and all the resources that it would require as it continue to grow were so different or what? you know, what made you say this isn't just a product offering that's going to be uh, like we're opening up the beverage line of loci, but rather this should be its own entity. This should be its own company that we're going to grow separately. Yeah. You know, the skill sets needed in the beverage space are so particular that you really need experienced people in all roles of the company from finance to operations and production to sales that every, every department within loci really just didn't fit what elements needed. Uh, there is some crossover and there's a few people that work across both, but for the most part, they're two separate teams, two separate P&L statements, um, and really two different companies with the same shared mission. Got it. So rather than like complicating things and messing up the PL and and everything that's happening in Loci, you were like, this is going to be more efficient for everyone if we build it as its own own thing. Um, and I guess just to kind of piggyback off that is so in term one thing that I noticed when um, I was checking out Elements was the fact that you guys, it seems like you guys are offering two different things. You have supplements as well as, um, as well as canned beverages, right? Are those the, is that accurate? Are those the two products that you guys are offering at the moment? Um, and then what were, what was the initial go to market for those, uh, for those products? Yeah. <clears throat> so you're correct. There are eight different SKUs, four ready to drink SKUs in cans and four supplements that are capsules. Uh, energy focus, common sleep. And we launched with the ready to drink and um, we learned that people love the functions, but you can't really travel with cans. Um, they're not always convenient. You don't always want to drink 12 ounces before you go to sleep at night. Um, and so supplements made a lot of sense from a convenience standpoint. Um, the other really hard thing with adaptogens uh, that we have worked incredibly hard and continue to work on is improving the flavors of the drinks um, because adaptogens are very earthy uh, tasting, to, to say it politely. Um, and in a capsule format, you swallow them, right? So you can eliminate the, the taste piece of it. Um, and no secret, but the margins on uh, supplements are crazy compared to ready to drink. So um, we also thought that that would make a lot of sense from the business standpoint of getting elements to profitability. Another thing that was really interesting that I noticed in terms of like checking out elements and your product and your site is the fact that the supplements are shoppable and that you guys have chosen um, am like you guys sell Amazon uh, for the, the ready to drink stuff is that, can you just talk us a little bit? Oh, and not only that, but it looked like, 
Um, the ready to drink stuff, you already had some major retailers lined up where it's available for purchase. So can you just talk about like that kind of channel mix and how you think about being able to build a brand and have those different SKUs be available in different places to meet the customer? Yeah, I really view the ready to drink as the top of the funnel. You know, uh, it's where people are going to experience elements most of the time uh, for the first time. Um, they'll they'll see if they really like the functions, if the, if uh, they enjoy the flavors, and then hopefully they become part of the brand and they love using our products daily and um, and then transition to the supplements or do a mix of both. Um, and initially, we started with. Uh, Amazon and retail, because right now running paid to drive traffic to your site is incredibly expensive. And so we wanted to meet the customer where they were. Um, and so that's retail distribution. We're currently in all doors at Wegmans. We're in about 50 Sprout stores. We're in Erwan. Um, we're rolling out to Bristol Farms and Harris Teeter right now. Um, we're in about 500 CVS stores across the country. Um, and, and then we sell the ready to drink on Amazon as well. Uh, capsules, we decided to launch it uh, D2C first, but now we're adding it to Amazon and in select retailers as well. Yeah, I think it's really cool just in terms of thinking about not only in terms of like creating different SKUs around one ethos, but then how each one of those SKUs has its appropriate place where I know a lot of other D2C brands who are starting, you know, with beverage and sell they're like, they'll have their own strategy about like, oh, we want to sell D2C, but then they're paying so much for like you're saying, customer acquisition, shipping costs to ship like a ready to drink beverage. And it's, it's almost like a little crazy and becomes a loss leader when you don't need that per se. And I think, um, you know, one thing that you had said is like, hey, we're here to think about like, how do we maximize profit and grow these businesses in the right way? So just understanding that product mix and maybe for other people who are listening and thinking about their products, it's like when you think about your different SKUs and the products you're creating, like what are the best channels for them? How do they tie in to the ethos of your business and to complement each other, right? Because ultimately, if you're thinking about retail partnerships with you're ready to drink stuff and people are seeing that like it's almost like free customer acquisition marketing sort of things and then they come in and then you have a high margin product that you're able to sell direct to consumer with all the benefits of the first party data and everything else like that cool um okay and then moving forward um or actually moving backwards a little bit and then i want to get back into elements a little bit as well um so back to Loki, uh, another interesting topic is the fact that you guys, you know, having been in the space and building for so long, you guys seem to have moved beyond just the like one dimensional cell. Like you have, you've introduced multiple product SKUs and you've also introduced multiple different revenue streams and channels and partnerships, right? So um, could you just talk to us a little bit about where these different sort of opportunities started popping up, whether it was like on the big, you know, some of the big sports partnerships that you've done, some of the wholesale stuff you've done, like what, at what time in the business were you like, okay, we're going to, you know, expand beyond our retail and D2C stuff and start looking at these other channels to continue to grow out the business. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of it comes from just watching and listening and paying attention to the consumers. We started to see, athlete after athlete after athlete reach out to us, professional athletes, 
um, and say, hey, can you send me the green loci you have? Because I played for the Eagles. Or, hey, can you send me the red one you have? Because I played for the Patriots or the Red Sox. And um, we're like, sure, but you know this one's for like the environment or for like a, cha- a different charity. And um, we eventually just – we, we saw how many athletes started to wear loci and how big it became uh, in that sports community. And so uh, we decided to start with professional licenses. So uh, now we have licenses with the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, colleges, um, and we, you can find our products in all of those stadium stores as well. Um, Dick's Sporting Goods is also an incredible partner of ours. Um, so if you're in Dick's, go check out Loki and uh, grab a Loki. Yeah, that's amazing. And one thing I'm curious about is what is what is negotiating or building out one of those licensing deals looks like, right? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are building different merchandise, apparel, et cetera, products that would dream to like be able to partner with, um, you know, massive, whether it's sports leagues or big corporations on these sort of initiatives. What is getting a partnership like that look like how long did it take what's kind of involved to make something like that happen obviously i'm sure i'm sure having like the athletes who are already into it like that that probably helps move things along but but you know just at a high level what is what is making something like that happen how does it how does it go yeah you know i think it starts with building a great brand that people love um and that really gave us a foot in the door between um a brand that gave back a brand that the athletes already wore uh, and a brand that was trusted by consumers. Um, I think not starting a business with the mindset, oh, I want to just make these licenses and make money. But like we had a real foundation and a company that stood by itself without the licenses, made the conversations with them go a lot smoother. Um, every, every league, every entertainment property is different, but essentially there's um, a royalty that you pay for every product that is sold. And then there's a minimum guarantee that you need to hit on amount of volume each year. That's how the deals are structured. Got it. So just in hypothetical terms. So for example, if you're doing a, a, you know, a licensing deal with one professional sports team, you're guaranteeing them, well, a on every, every piece of merchandise that's sold, they're going to get a cut of the, um, the amount. And then you're, you also have basically a minimum that you need to hit with them every year. Is that accurate? Correct. Sweet. Um, cool. And then thinking beyond the licensing partnerships that you've had, I know you guys have also done things like, you know, just going on the site, you can see stuff like you have membership, you have wholesale opportunities. Like what are some of these other different levers that maybe customers guided you towards or that you guys were excited in, in terms of exploring? Yeah, you know, um, we found that there's a group of people that come to our brand and uh, really love the the message of balance on a consistent basis and um, want new styles every month. And so what we've done is we've created a membership program where uh, every month you get a new loci that's designed around a different inspirational message on how you find balance uh, in life. And um, it's a cool way to just kind of um, remember every day and every month um, about the importance of finding balance. And uh, another thing that we try to do is uh, re- really 
excite our community around giving and giving their lokais to people who might be going through lows. Um, so some months we give free additional lokais to our, our members just to give away um, to someone that needs to stay hopeful in their life. So uh, I think the message of lokai is the most powerful thing and um, getting our community to partner with us and help spread that message has been wildly successful. And let's talk a little bit about community, right? I know that's like a big buzzword and everyone talks about growing community. You guys have been obviously doing this for a while and clearly you have different ways of being able to engage, especially because your product is so custom and tailored to all these different niche, not only uh, in terms of like the charity and the causes that people want to get behind, but also like the identity stuff that people are into, like themselves, individuality, expression, et cetera. But why don't you just talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, what were the what were some of the flywheels for your guys's community in the early days? Was it these causes and passions and individuality, or what were some of the ways that you like really were able to, you know, start off the community and grow the community? Yeah, you know, I I would say community is a word a buzzword, right? Um, I think a real community is a group of people who all interact with each other. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. Hopefully someday we build products or services that allow for that and allow different customers of ours to get together and be part of a community. Um, but I really focus on the one-on-one -on -one relationship with that customer. So uh, it starts with the product, high quality product, um, great price point, something that everyone could afford. And then on the customer service side, being as incredible and supportive as we can be. Um, our goal is to make every single customer happy. So um, like if you buy a loci and it breaks and you email us, we'll just send you another one. No questions asked. You know, we, we try to really make every interaction we have with our customers as positive as possible. Um, and that's what I view as, you can use the word community, but, um, like relationship building maybe or trust building with your customer base yeah 100 percent. and i i do think yes community definitely is a buzzword and i think there are a couple ways to look at it i do i do think that the ideas of community that you guys are able to tap into through an amazing customer experience through um amazing one-to-one -one relationships with your customers is the fact that the you know the community you're almost tapping into existing communities, right? Like there are existing communities where people have certain causes they care about, uh, fan, fans of sports teams, those are existing communities. So you guys have almost productized and be able to tap into those communities, help them come to close together, better bond over the ethos of loci, um, and then all the while pro provide them with an amazing customer experience. So you guys are basically enabling those communities, right? Love that, yes. Awesome. Um, and then uh, some of the next things I wanted to talk about were in terms of balance, right? You guys are clearly all, all about balance. You've been building this company for, um, you know, 12 years now. You seem pretty relaxed, chilled out. You have multiple companies going on. So how do you find balance in, in your own life? And how do you find balance in growing a company over, you know, over a decade, right? Where, where you continue to grow, you continue to invest in new channels, and then you continue to launch uh, businesses and incubate new businesses uh, all from the same place. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, I, I really try to practice what I preach. Finding balance for me is incredibly important. I, uh, I have two little kids. Um, so family time's the most important thing to me. I also find balance myself the most when I am working out. So try to do that every single day. And um, yeah, I've learned over the years that it's about the really needle moving things that you do that can have an impact in your business, not how many hours every day you put into work. Um, because we all have the same 24 hours in the day, but the gap uh, or extremes of people's success in business are wild, right? So it's really about how you use your time, not how much time you spend working. So for me, I really keep a really tight calendar of these are the hours when I'm working out. These are the hours when I'm with my family. These are the hours when I'm working. Um, and I would say the secret sauce is for me, sleep. Like if I don't get a great night's sleep the next day, I am just like, I'm shot. And I, I think you see on social media, these people saying, you got to grind, 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 work till three in the morning, wake up, work, work at six in the morning. Like, no, you can't do that for a decade. Um, and for me, like, this is my life. You know, this isn't like, hey, let me try to grind for a year and sell my company. Like, I could do this for another 50 years. I plan to do this for another 50 years. Um, and I think to do that, you have to have a sustainable lifestyle that is balanced and allows you to feel fulfilled on the personal side. And, and I think that will make you a better leader uh, and a better entrepreneur as well. So those are some of the ways that I do it. Yeah, I think that's really important in terms of the idea of like when you're building something big and great it takes a lot of time to do and you want if you're thinking about it as a marathon uh you want to be sustainable right you don't want to take it out too fast where you crash and burn and and that's that you want to be able to sustain the pace even continue to build the pace and let let the business compound on top of itself like one thing you were saying even in the beginning right like at a certain point in time you're out there knocking on doors and then the next thing you know, you fast forward a couple of years and you have like pro athletes from like major teams that I'm sure you like watch, like grew up like watching them. They're like hitting you up and being like, hey, man, can we get one of these things? And like that dichotomy of just like letting your business like grow naturally and let that compound over time. And you just kind of need to be in the game, right? Like making those high leverage decisions and making the important decisions and let the business take its um, its natural course. So I think, you know, the couple things you said that really jump out one sleep is really important i know for myself if i if i'm if i miss a night of sleep and i don't get my like full rest i'm like i'm slow the next day i'm not i'm not in a great place right and that's no as an operator you want to be at peak performance you don't want to be like groggy like wait what is that thinking through things and and the other things in terms of like finding balance to block out time i think having the realization as an entrepreneur that you know, it's not about like going full speed 24 seven all the time. It's like carve out your time for your, the things that are important to you that are fulfilling for you that recharge you, right? Like your, uh, your exercise, your diet, your family, all these things that are really important and then carve out your work time. And during that work time, like go nuts, right? Like go for it. Absolutely. Um, but, but don't let it, don't compromise your life, uh, for, for it. Is that kind of what you're 
Yeah. And, and when you're supposed to be off recharging, don't be working as well because then you're constantly trying to multitask and do both and it doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, quote that I love is, um, I think people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. I, I love that. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And even, you know, everything, whether it's the businesses that, that I'm building, the even this podcast, right? It's like the reason we wanted to do it is because we were like, this is something that we could do over 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. And it's it's charging, it's fulfilling, it's fun. It's not like it's not it's not a horrible thing to do you know what i mean so and then it compounds right like um the fact that you know you and i can have a conversation and we can meet with a bunch of great operators like that like businesses podcasts projects anything they just compound and they get bigger and bigger and bigger so i think having the sustainability and building anything building any project with a sustainable balanced approach i think is definitely the uh the way to go so um love that moving back to elements right um well and not not just elements you having been around this space for so long right i'm sure you've de developed amazing relationships i know you've also invested in other companies in the space as well so can you just talk to a, um talk to us a little bit about your experiences on the other side now that you've had is not only you've created your own brand you've decided to go launch another brand and you've also been involved and i'm sure supported other projects so can you talk to us a little bit about what's that what that side of the coin is like and what you look for in in really exciting projects yeah you know i th i think um oh i think it's two things um that are really critical, whether you're building your own company or you're looking to invest in others, that's uh, the person and the product, right? We've, we've been talking about how it's a marathon and how long it takes to really build an incredible company. And you need to have uh, a founder CEO at the helm that understands that and um, is able to see the long-term kind of plan that needs to be built and is in it for the long run, as well as is not emotional when, when the tough decisions need to be made. Um, every business goes through highs and lows, uh, and it's about not being stubborn, not putting your ego first, uh, and doing what's best for the business in the long run. And I believe you can figure it out on the way and build a great company if, if you do those things. And um, second is I'm a huge believer in product, right? It doesn't matter how good your marketing and your sales or uh, your pitches. If the product isn't great, customers won't keep coming back. No, I, I, I think that's so true, especially in today's climate, right? Where it's almost like everyone has a brand, everyone has a big following, everyone's like launching a new product in order to stand out and be sustainable and have customers come back. You really need to deliver something exceptional um, when the 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 barrier to, to enter the market is so low and people can go out and create amazing products, right? So I think having um, a product first mentality is is really crucial because on top of that, you can do all the things you're doing. You can stack brand, you can stack marketing, you can stack growth, you can stack all these things. But if you have a shit product, like, the, you know, that's, that's hard to come back from, right? Yeah. Um, and then also, Moving forward from from that, or one thing that you had mentioned was uh, 
that it's not easy. No business is a cakewalk and there's tough times and rough patches for everything. So what are some of the, the trickier things that you've encountered uh, and that you've navigated your, your way around? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a great question. I think one would be team members or people that you really believe in uh, moving on in their career. You know, I think um, the the ability to learn how to manage people and support people and help grow people in their careers and then see them leave and go on and do different things. Um, I would say that's a, a journey of highs and lows in itself. Um, so I would say things with team and then, and then, you know, there's little things. It's like, whether it's missing your budget or um, it's not getting an approved by a retailer to go into them or it's manufacturing delays um, or it's um, product defects, right? Like, it's never ending. Um, And what I found to be incredibly helpful for me and what I see some of the best operators I know do is they're very unemotional. Um, They really stay rational and make the best business decision possible at every point and don't let their emotions get in the way. And um, I know as a first time founder, Um, you are so emotional about your business. It is your life. You'll run through brick walls for it. Um, But as you kind of evolve from founder to CEO, I think that's really when that shift happens and um, you're able to take your personal uh, emotions out of the situation and um, just use rational, rational thought to decide on what to do. Yeah, is that something that... As an operator, right, like when you first started Loci, like you were saying, you were coming out of school, you had the entrepreneurial bug. And this time around with Elements, like you've you've learned all those lessons, right? So what um, what's kind of the approach there? Like what are some of the, the lessons that you're most excited that you learned in Loci that you're most excited to apply to Elements? Um, and by the way, I'll, I'll add one big low to, to the last uh, thing. Yeah, like definitely. Back, back in the day, before Shopify and all these incredible platforms. Like I was hacking websites together. We had so much traffic during uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday that our site went down. So we didn't have a site one year for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Uh, the whole, it, w- it was just out during the, out. During, during the time out. you had the most traffic, right? Out, yeah, out. What, how'd you guys, uh, I mean, that's, that's horrible, right? Cause there's all these sales that you're probably never gonna be able to, get back but what was what was the recourse like what was the debrief like that uh from that like and how'd you handle it and what was what how'd you remedy it you wake up the next day and you look forward and uh you try you try to build a site that doesn't break um so yeah i mean it's definitely revenue that we would never got back maybe some of it but that's just an example of a low right um but on the positive side, yeah, the learnings are incredible. And some things that I'm now taking to elements is the importance of team, right? And building a great team that knows what they're doing uh, in the industry itself, because I um, I didn't know anything about ready to drink beverage. And so um, bringing on experts in the space uh, was, in, was really important to 
me when I started Elements. Uh, second is be, building a business with strong fundamentals and strong margins. Um, I really believe in in building a company to make a profit. And so from day one, we always built our cost of goods um, and our products to a position that could be scaled to be profitable very soon. So I'd say those are the two most important things that I took as experiencing learnings from Lokai. And uh, and then in terms of roadmap, right? Like I know we talked about um, where you guys are on the ready to drink side as well as the supplement side, but what is it, what does business roadmap or product roadmap sort of look like as you guys just came to market with this like pretty recently and you continue to really think with that lens of scalability and growth? Like what is the, you know, call it next year, two years uh, look like from your end right now? Yeah, it's, it's opening up strategic retailers and really making sure that we win uh, from a velocity standpoint inside of them. So um, with, with a down market, um, dollars are tight, investment is tight. And so you have to be even more thoughtful of where you spend every penny. And so we're spending our marketing dollars as close to the uh, buyers as possible. So in store, whether it's uh, POS assets, demoing, uh, promos, um, just how we win within each re retailer that we go into. And then, and then also learning, right? Listening to the consumers, what they like, what they don't like, um, tweaking the product, tweaking the messaging, tweaking the packaging. Um, in my opinion, nothing's final. Right. Everything can be changed uh, based on what we hear from the data. Yeah, everything's evolving. I mean, I even saw what was it? Sprite is just like doing a massive rebrand where they're changing their bottles from like green to clear. Right. So like even at the largest of scale in, in beverage, like things are constantly evolving. And I think having that that attitude towards, um, you know, constantly listening to feedback, iterating and, and moving at, moving with the market, moving towards what the customer wants. I think those are those are, are really crucial. Um, and then just as we kind of wrap up here, just want to, you know, have some kind of fun sort of question. So um, what is what's another D2C brand that like you love? Uh, Dream Pops. Dream Pops. Awesome. Dream Pops. Dream Pops is a plant based confection company. Uh, it started in the frozen aisle. Uh, and they've recently evolved to candy um, and launched a D2C site. Awesome. Um, and then for our listeners, uh, where can they find you guys, your products, and you personally? Are you on Twitter, you LinkedIn, um, and where can they find more about Loki and Elements, the brands? Yeah, I'm on all the platforms at Stephen Eisen. Uh, and then uh, Loki is Loki.com, L-O-K-A-I com and uh, you can find us either on our direct consumer site or Amazon elements of balance dot io the website cool well thanks so much for coming on the pod with us today Stephen really enjoyed it uh, and look forward to seeing you guys continue to grow appreciate it Blaine